0: what's up y'all it's Zach with Living Corporate and whoa (laughs) you're probably listening to this like wait a second it's not Tuesday Thursday or Saturday what is this y'all this is a bonus pod now look y'all should know if you keep up with Living Corporate you know for the real fans but also shout out to the new people coming you know we're seeing the new numbers the numbers popping numbers growing we're doing what we're doing shout out to all of y'all uh new fans and old first time and last time listeners long time listeners shout out to the entrepreneurs shout out to the the side hustlers shout out to um, the nine to fiver shout out to the consultants the financial analysts shout out to the lawyers, shout out to uh, you know what I'm saying just the, the people working everywhere shout out to the fast food workers speaking of fast food workers uh, shout out to those uh, over there under uh, Yum brand today's bonus pod is actually a conversation that we had as a part of our dare to share series co powered by, sponsored by, supported by, tolerated by Canaries. And we were able to uh, have a conversation as a part of this series where we're talking about dare to share. Dare to share is about daring to have the real conversations that we need to be having around diversity equity, inclusion and really talking to those within the Canaries Network clients and and those who uh, who have the privilege of of, of projecting uh, with Canaries. And so we were able to sit down and have a conversation myself and uh, star carter one of the co-founders of canaries and then james fripp the chief inclusion and diversity officer of yum brand have a conversation about the work that yum brand is doing and um, really all things equity and inclusion so look we don't have a tap in with Tristan in this episode this is a bonus episode we just want to get y'all to the content baby we just want to make sure y'all y'all keeping up you know what i mean so the next thing you're going to hear is our conversation with james fripp see you in a second Welcome to Dare to Share. My name is Zach Nunn. I'm the CEO and founder of Living Corporate. Really excited to be here in partnership with Canaries. Um, Shout out to the entire Canaries team. You know what I'm saying? If you're thinking about data analysis you're talking about, trying to understand and really be understand and listen to that canary in the coal mine. I mean, you got to check out canaries. I mean, and this is not even at, you didn't even give me anything to to read. Star, this is just off the dome. I'm just like, <laughs> I just love y'all. I just love y'all. I'm like, You want to join our
1: marketing team? <laughs> I just
0: love y'all. You know, it's just it's just love. You know what I'm saying? We don't this is that this is just, you know, a little bit of extra on top. I just I really am excited. You know, if anybody who's looking in the news, who's catching up with like startups VC, like in this space of like entrepreneurs and founders. I mean, Canaries is all about it. Y'all are all in the news. Y'all are like breaking all kinds of records for funding. Um, I want to shout out Jared Fitzpatrick, who's also in the audience. Thank him for uh, connecting me with Canaries. And then, of course, shout out to Lisa and then shout out to Mandy, of course, as well. Um, now, I did my little introduction about how we're coming together, but I want to give some space to Star Carter uh, to also spit her stuff as well.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Wow. I mean, I don't need to say much more about Canaries. You got that covered. Um, so, Star Carter excited to be co-hosting with Zach. Check out Living Corporate. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, Zach's making it happen. He's putting it down for Living Corporate. He's exploding. I I get a sense by this time next year you're going to have all kinds of sponsorship and partnerships going on. So, uh, thank you, Zach. We are equally excited to be working with you. Um, I'm the COO and co-founder of Canaries. We are a company that puts data and analytics first, assessments first, and then we build informed strategy and deliver um, training and other um, tools in order to help company partners really focus and prioritize their DEI efforts. So uh, excited to be here and excited, excited, excited to talk to Mr. James Fripp about his uh, his journey and where he, how he's come to today on um, being a DEI expert. Uh, so I'll kick it back to you, Zach, to get us started and, and can't wait to mind the the knowledge that you have mr Fripp, today on the show
0: so so yeah you know i started off by talking about the fact that you know uh my first job was not unfortunately under the yum brand empire uh it was whataburger whataburger did not go well right it was you know it's too you know it just for a lot of different reasons you know i'm not trying to mess up the whataburger bag y'all might have something for me in the future so i'll be quiet but the point is, is that i really <laughs> built my long-term career from a fast food and like, you know, quick cuisine perspective um, in young Brand at KFC. And it's funny because um, I've actually observed James for a little bit from afar. I was like, man, I really want to I really want to talk to this dude. So I'm thankful and excited um, to welcome you to the show and happy Black History Month, man. Let's talk a little bit about yes. your journey um, at Young Brands and and how you got into diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Yes. Well,
2: thank you all for having me. I, I truly appreciate it. Uh, pre- appreciate the invite um and uh and love to have the opportunity to chat up with you all this evening and, uh, and just share a little bit so um yeah and, and and i too share the love of canaries and the team and uh you know we are we we're having a great journey with uh with the team right now and um you know we're we're off and running so can we talk about that a little bit later but again thank you all for uh for having me. all right so uh, in terms of background you know i man, i earned it i earned it i started where you were you know i wasn't i wasn't at whataburger um but um but i started in the business um out in the restaurants where we make the money and uh and, and literally i ran restaurants for us for about 15 years uh spent a month uh all my operations career at the taco bell brand and so was was doing what i was doing there running restaurants you know growing in the business things like that reality of it was i wanted to go in the military uh, my father was in the military i'm one of eight kids uh, we were in the air force, bounced around the country and the world, and all that kind of thing. And um, and I'm like, hey, look, just get me through high school. I'm going in the military anyway. I'm gonna follow my dad. And um, and so that's what I did. I you know started working at Taco Bell because my sister worked there. You know, you know, you got to know somebody to get there, right? You do.
1: Uh-huh. It's true.
2: It's true. <laughs> I just got me a job, you know, and this kind of thing. And and I started working there, and I'm like, yeah, I'm done with. You as soon as I get let, get, let me get, let me graduate and I'm out of here. And, uh, and I graduated and um, I went to a military entry processing station or MEPS to go in the military and took my little physical and um, knew I was on my way out and um, got done with the physical. And they said, um, you need to go see the flight surgeon. I'm like, okay, sure. What you got? He's like, um, you're PDQ. I'm like, okay, you know, when do I go? He's like, you're PDQ. I'm like, what, what, what is that? You're permanently disqualified mm. i'm like for for what and uh and i kid you not he said um, because you have eczema yeah wow. so um so i said yeah i mean i had that you know and i i washed dishes at taco bell so you know my skin's a little dry whatever he said no um you are um you're permanently disqualified wow. So, um, uh, so that was it, you know, that my dream was going to military and follow my dad. And, um, and they said, no, you can't do that. And so I was at a crossroads, what do you want to do? So, um, so I started, um, uh, sorry, I work in a global company. We talk about is my college is university. So I was going to university, started going to university and, um, and still working at Taco Bell and doing all that kind of thing and kept working there. Long story short, um, ended up continuing to work there, worked there in the restaurants, grew in the business and things like that. Spent 15 years in operations and transitioned to HR Uh, talent acquisition went out was hiring people and all that kind of thing stayed on the HR side became an HR generalist. um, started running you know just uh, doing some HR generalist work and associate work learned all that um, got my skills up in that um, and then um, you know got promoted and took over a third of the country running our Taco Bell field HR. Uh, employee relations talent acquisition things like that couple years doing that took over half the country a couple years there took over the whole country and um just before coming into this role i was running all of um, the united states from a field hr employee relations all that kind of stuff for taco bell so um uh, it was i was speaking at an event actually here in dallas and uh, my predecessor um, uh, name is terry barnes great young lady she's still in Louisville, kentucky doing what she does um and uh you know, she saw me speaking, she said, have you thought about doing this, you know, this work? And, um, I said, um, don't know. She said, well, what do you mean? You don't know? I said, I don't know what you do. Hmm. She said, well, I, I, I do, you know, diversity inclusion. I said, well, what does that, what does that look like? And, um, and we had a good conversation and she said, you know, why don't you interview? And I interviewed and talked with the CEO and uh, said, I'm interested if we're serious. And he said, we're serious. And, um, Poof, I'm in the job and i uh, been doing it now for about six, seven, eight years now, somewhere in there. Um, and uh, man, oh, man, it, it, it's never a dull moment. Uh, but i got to be honest with you, it's one of the hardest jobs I've ever had in a company and I've done a lot of things.
1: Yeah. Wow. wow. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I love that. Hearing your journey from years ago and how you got in the DEI. And I, too, uh, my co-founders Mandy Price and Benny King. And we keep talking about our you know our initial inway into work. My first job was at McDonald's, by the way. So I was a fry girl back at McDonald's. Uh, love the fast food uh, restaurant, that's how I got in. That was my first introduction to the working world. Uh, but I love hearing what you said, James. And I'd love to talk about kind of some lessons learned over the past year, right? we've we've gone through a crazy crazy year 2020 was crazy, tumultuous, to say the least. 2021, we're still early, but gosh, we already have a rocky start with the insurrection, these crazy power outages, COVID continued uh, to be continued. Um, So we've seen a lot. So I'd I'd love to hear from you from 2020, from COVID, the disparities that were made very clear from George Floyd and beyond, well beyond, uh, as we talk about these two pandemics that we've seen, the racial pandemic and the, the viral pandemic. What's been made clearer for you, let's say a year ago, February, before COVID hit the U.S. in full stride, um, between then and now with respect to um, DEI, the future of DEI, and and with respect to workplace equity? I'd love to hear kind of then and now and your learnings. Um,
2: I'd love to go back to February and pre- all this stuff. And we had a plan, um, we literally in our organization, uh, you know, we had a plan around uh, equity and inclusion and belonging. Um, we, had, we had committed, you know, we added some people to my team and uh, we're serious about that, brought some folks on. And um, and in the fall of 19, I uh, was talking with uh, Tracy Schemes, our Chief Transformation and People Officer, and now our, uh, just named our, our Chief Operating, operating Officer. And um, we were talking, it's like, how do we go further faster in this space? What do we need to do? You know, it can't just be you, James, and it can't just be you and a couple of people. What do we need to do? And, um, and so, you know, we talked about equity inclusion belong is not my job. Equity inclusion belong is everybody's responsibility. And so we were talking about what do you do about that? And so we just we're like, what if, what if we had everybody in the entire organization have a commitment, make a commitment to how they were going to positively impact equity, inclusion, belonging in young. And then we went, no, no, that ain't gonna work. Um, And then, and we said, you know what, what if we did? So that's what we did. Coming into night, coming into 20, October, November of 19, we rolled out to the organization, we're going to have an equity inclusion commitment for everybody in the organization. And it's going to be personal. And it's going to be, or we gave out a document that talked about what it was, some of the things that you can do. And people had to put it down. If you literally pull up our, our uh, performance appraisals, it, there's a line on there that talks about your equity inclusion commitment for every single corporate individual in the organization. So that's coming into, that's coming into 20. And so we're excited. We're going to do that. I've got people on my team now and Jessica and Christina, we're going to go out there. We're going to do this thing. And um, and then COVID hit. hmm Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, when COVID hit, it was how do we just keep the restaurants open? How do we make sure that we keep our people, our frontline, our 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 people who make it happen for us? How do we keep those folks employed? And so from a from a equity inclusion perspective. In fact, from a lot of things across the business, it was, how do we keep this business running and make sure we Mm -hmm. keep folks employed and keep them safe? And so equity inclusion, we kind of slowed down on that. We went full into how do we keep the stores open? And then, as we all know, um, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and those things took place. Mm -hmm. And all hell broke loose. Everybody's like, so what now? Um, A month and a half ago, two months ago, we were trying to figure out how to keep the stores open. Now we're trying to figure out how to keep the wheels on everything in this country. um, And specifically in the organization, how do we navigate COVID and what's going on from a social unrest perspective and and the things that were taking place. And so um, it was flipped on his head. So out of that, all that tragedy, all that ugliness, came discussions that we never, ever would have had in our organization, all across the organization. uh, we had town hall calls, uh, where we had all, all types of people on the screen and talking about their experiences and what they're feeling and what they're thinking, how things are going, um, from the most senior levels of the organization down to our people in the restaurants, talking about the things that they were dealing with. And uh, when customers came in and said things and how do they navigate that? And how do we handle all that? Um, it literally, again, out of all the tragedy, it got us myopically focused on how do we take care of our people, our people of color, um, our, our employees as a whole? How do we bring everybody on this journey with us? And arguably, the job got harder because we were more divided than we've ever been. And so how do we do that in the context of the work that we're doing and uh, and the space that we're working in. When you've got all these things going on outside our four walls, you can't just leave that out there and come to work and be okay. Especially when we're in a a, a virtual environment. Mm-hmm. So we had to navigate that, and and it all came down to um, what I believe is a differentiator, and what we were what we ended up building, which is the art. The science is people say, you know, you don't have enough of those people. You need to get some more of those people. Things like that. That's all fine and dandy. What we know over time is that the science hasn't necessarily paid off for us. we got to do something different. My focus is how do we get the art? Because if we get the art, the science will come. The art is authenticity that leads to relationships that leads to trust. And what we were trying to do over time was build the art. So then the science would come build the art so that the relationships were there. It's hard to hate up close. So how do we build that even in a virtual environment? So that's what we pivoted to and spent the rest of our year and continue to do is build authentic relationships that lead to trust and building the science or the numbers on the backside um, and learning more and more and more about where we should focus to continue to build that by virtue of leveraging Canaries and their assessment to help guide us and focus in on, okay, we know what you're trying to do. Is it going to be effective? And so uh, that's the partnership that we have with Canaries and we're looking forward to uh, those outcomes and see what we do. Uh, but that's kind of, you know, from then to now, um, that's kind of what happened. And, um, and again, I'll say we have more people, we have more allies and more folks leading into this conversation than we've ever had. Um, and, it, and it's very, very positive. Do we have the naysayers? Do we have folks that, um, you know, what about me? And the answer is absolutely we have those, um, but, uh, but that's not gonna dissuade us. Uh, We're going to continue to move forward and we're going to try to bring those folks with us. That's
0: that's incredible. Um, You know, as you're sharing this, and some of the work that you have done and that you that you've been doing um, this past year. James, I'm curious. Part of this journey, what I've seen is that, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, hesitancy and um, I'm going to say sensitivity. Uh, When it comes to this space and this work, especially in dealing with majority white populations. And, you know, you're having these conversations, especially when you think about George Floyd and the fact that it was all pushed to the forefront in such a visceral, violent, and frankly, inescapable way. What, what, what have you been most proud about from young brands um, as it pertains to like this work and, and, and the intention you've set behind it over the past year?
2: Yes. Um, I'm the most proud and this is this is gonna sound crazy but um we have uh some amazing employee resource groups um in the organization and um and one of the things that we did was uh, you know in a lot of organizations to include ours we have one brand where we have african american we have asia and we have latinx and this kind of thing um but what i've opted to do uh, in the large part of the organization is go with the multicultural employee resource group. And the reason is what our people of color say. And what women say is I don't feel like I get the, uh, the, uh, uh, the coaching training guidance and feedback that my majority male peers get, um, in this kind of thing. And that's not just our company. That's a lot of companies. And so the goal is with the, with the multicultural ERG, is to have people learn how to engage and solve for each other's issues cross-culturally mm. as they're coming up in the organization. So when they get to leadership, they already have that skill set. Mm. so but, but, but what has happened is in our multicultural ERG, as we go through all that was going on during that time, we had more allies and still have today, more allies than we know what to do with. <laughs> people are leaning in. In that multicultural ERG, there's leadership roles. In there. <laughs> And our majority members are like, sign me up, right? And, awesome. and, and our people of color are like, hey, I thought this was the, you know, and the answer is, this is for everybody. And oh, by the way, did you sign up? Well, no, I didn't sign up to leave. Well, then you can't say nothing. So, <laughs> but we have, so so to your point, you know, what are we most proud of? Proud of how everybody stepped up to the table to help support our people. So that's number one. Secondarily is money talks right and so um, we said we're going to you know commit our hundred million dollars to uh what we call our unlocking opportunities initiative and in that initiative we're focused on three pillars the first is equity and inclusion second second is education and the third is entrepreneurship and um, and out of that came uh, a brand new function of our uh, of our uh, franchise recruitment team um, that is going to be and solely focused. It's led by an individual by the name of a woman by the name of Wanda Williams. She's an amazing, amazing individual. She's actually based here in Dallas and, um, and put together a team that is going to be very focused on making sure we add more representation of people of color. Uh, specifically for us, it's underrepresented people of color. And we see that as Latin and African-American black. And so they're very focused on going out and finding uh, franchisees who are going to be representative of that. And then internally, we're going to be focused on including uh, increasing our representation across all levels of leadership. So um, we've doubled down. We've got leaders. My CEO, David Gibbs, he is um, on fire about this topic, and, um, and and so we feel like we've got some great momentum. So those are the things that I'm proud of. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. We're going out. We're making it happen. Uh, we're bringing things to life internally. Our people, well, you know, they're like, hey, James, but what about? You know, there's a lot of allies. There is. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So so we're working through that. But um, those are just a few of the things that we're proud of. Super dope.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, You know, I think hearing you talk it's it becomes very clear hopefully for those listening that aren't eating living and breathing dei every day that dei is complicated right it's a long-term strategy um it's it's funny because i think some people think there's some short-term solutions you come in you do a training and bam people's behavior change Um, and that's not that's not it at all and as i have become an expert in my own right in dei over the past few years with canaries I'm certainly have learned that it is about building a foundation, building a strategy and knowing that you're not going to get change overnight. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and everybody is different or has different behavior. Um, And so I ask all that because you alluded to it earlier. A lot of companies, their primary focus is the diversity. So what do they do? They run and they look at the numbers. We have five black people. We need to get to 10, go get them uh we have two hispanic people go ahead and fill in you know the latinx population um and it's, it's that kind of approach which we all know by now hopefully at least on this call um, that that doesn't lead to long-term change As a matter of fact you get them there you spend all this time you spend all this money recruiting them and then they leave after you train them up because they don't feel like they belong if you don't focus on the retention part the equity and the inclusion part Um, So I'd love to hear from you. I think you talked a little bit about it, but a little bit more detail. It sounds like you guys are focused on, and it's great on um, going out and doing that talent acquisition, focusing on the historically marginalized talent um, that's hard to hire up for companies, and specifically for specific industries. Um, so, we'd love to hear about your top priorities on that. But not only recruiting them, also retaining them. You know, what are you guys doing in order to ensure that those folks stick around and they actually get promoted from within? Versus you bring them in in droves and they're off to the next one after two years.
2: That last comment that you made about you know you bring them in in the droves and then they leave, um, that's actually the kiss of death, right? Because now. Um, you have a group of people out there that is sharing amongst their network. Um, you know, what, what, what you, what you said you were, you're really not. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, here are, here are places not to go. Um, and so, so that's what happens. But, um, but, but what we're doing is, um, and we've got the, like I said, the ERGs are, are, are really there to support our team, and the ERGs are doing all kinds of great work. Um. They are actively engaged in doing things like helping us with onboarding of talent. And so they play an active role in bringing folks in and loving them into the organization and uh, creating that commitment. Um, They help with uh, professional and personal development. And so we have uh, what we call grow yourself, things where people have an opportunity to develop themselves and things like that. Our ERGs uh, literally sponsor these sessions, uh, a session where Uh, You get feedback from some of the leaders. You don't work for that leader, but you get feedback around, you know, your career and things like that. So we end up building those trying to build the art, getting the the, the leaders to to engage with things like that. Um, There's great tools out there, things like something called the Hogan, and it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a leadership assessment. Um, And a lot of companies will save those for the very top leadership. What we're doing is we're leveraging the Hogan at uh, junior levels in the organization. So our folks can learn about the things that they're great at and their opportunities before they get up to these leadership roles. And indeed it helps them in, get up to those leadership roles. And so we're leveraging that much early in their careers. We have something called Leadership Excel where we bring leaders to the table. Um, and then a couple of things that, uh, that I'm most proud of uh, in, in this area is we're doing reverse mentorships. And um, And so I'll give you a really quick example. Um, set up a reverse mentorship, uh, just before the holidays started, um, the chief legal officer, uh, so majority male, um, head of, head of all legal for all of y'all and, um, you know, big, big job and all that kind of thing. Uh, got him on the call and, um, said, okay, um, Scott, uh, here's your mentor. His mentor, if just for fun, you know, we've got, we, everybody's got levels in their organization this guy's a a leadership team member. I mean, like multiple, multiple levels. Um, This junior guy is like a level nine Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, got him on the call, introduced Scott, the chief legal officer to his mentor, Joe, uh, who is a junior leader, uh, African-American leader in the organization. And Joe's job is to help Scott understand what it's like, to be a person of color in this organization, what he's experiencing, how it's going for him, what is he looking for, what is he not getting, how does he get those things? Scott's job is to learn from him, but then also mentor him. And, um, and we had a, uh, we, call it, uh, we call it a chat with David and it's it basically, it's a CEO call to the globe. Uh, we are we're, we're 50 plus thousand restaurants, large, um, we're in 150 plus countries and this calls with the CEO typically around 17 to 2000 people on the call and, um, Scott gets on the call as a member of the leadership team and this voice who does the intro is usually uh, one of our folks from communications. This time is Joe. It's, a, it's, it's his mentor who does the, for the entire organization does the intro for the call and then scott goes on to say hey look that intro that you had that was from my mentor joe you know he, he he's a dj outside of this work and uh, and so he did the he did the intro he said but what you need to know about joe is joe has been working with um, our, our ERGs, he's been working not only in the uh, multicultural ERG, but he's been working in the, in the women's ERG and has been doing this now for years. And this guy is a co- quality of individual that we want to be a leader in our organization. He said that in front of almost 2000 people. Well, that's what the reverse mentorship did. Scott didn't know Joe before October, November. Now Joe ends up in front of the world on the world stage getting praise and recognition from the chief legal officer. These are the kinds of things that we're doing. Let me give you one more. And this hmm. one this one is real powerful, was was real powerful. And we're we'll continuing to do it on um, just virtually now. I was talking with our CEO um, when he came in. He came in at the, be- in the beginning of 20. So you can imagine what his first year was like. So um he comes in, uh it's January, he says, James, what do you need for me? I said, I need you to get to know our people, our underrepresented uh, uh people of color. I need you to get to know them. He says, okay, you know, what do you want to do? I said, I'll pick the place for dinner. I just need you to come. He says, what's the agenda? I said, um, I'll give you the agenda, but it's not going to, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to talk about what level they are. We're not going to talk about what their job. We're going to talk about cats, dogs, birds, kids, bucket list. We're going to talk about all that. We're going to get to know people. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, um, okay. Um, I said, I'll pick the restaurant. He said, hang on, hang on. What if I have it at my house? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, have you asked your wife about this? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, he said, no, I haven't, but I will. And um, and he reached back out. He said, James, um, let's have it at my house. And um, I said, you, you need me to take care of anything? He said, we'll take care of everything. Wow. Uh, and I got to tell y'all, um, uh, you know, uh, he lives in a very nice community, gated. Mm-hmm. In the gate, in the gate, in the guard area, was an African-American female, man in the gate. Next thing you know, you got 10, 15, 17 cars of people of color coming up to the gate. First, she was looking like, what is going on here? By the end of the line, by the end of the line, she was smiling. She was like, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so we pull up and there's no cars on the side of the road. You could have parked anywhere. There's no cars on the side of the road. But when you pull up, he's got a valet. So when our people come up in front of his house, they get out of their car. Now, mind you, the valet drove my car like 10 feet, right? But the point being, our people got into the gated community that they probably, many of them would have never gotten into. They pull up, they are getting valet, walk down the driveway, they walk in the house, we are standing in his dining room, in his family room, eating dinner at his table, talking with he and his wife uh, about, you know, who we are. We stood there, we were there for about three, four hours, and um, we went around the table, uh, went around the room and talked about what our dreams were, mm-hmm. what our families were about, what was important to us, what was on our bucket list. and um, And the feedback from our people was great. The feedback from he and his wife was equally as good, if not better. And uh and the relationship has been different a since. And when we think about authentic relationships that lead to trust, um, I'm proud of that because that's how you do it and role model. He didn't have to have it at his house, but he chose that and then treated our people um like the leaders that they are and with the respect
0: that they deserve. That's just such it's such a beautiful story. And you know it, it reminds me, James, of the fact that like, you know, what I've been learning Um, not just from a DEI perspective, but just as a, as a professional is that when it comes to the folks that are really fast tracked or they get those up, those are the types of things that happen, but that the, the average employee doesn't know about, right? Like, yeah, there's a happy hour and yeah, there's the company sponsored events, but the folks that are really being seen and being groomed for that next level, they're, they're a part of that Those those in those, um, you know, verbal only invites and those closed door meetings and the things that happen again behind the scenes. And so that's a beautiful thing. It also reminds me, frankly, uh, have you all seen One Night in Miami? It essentially explores like this little one night between Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X and uh, Jim Brown. And they're all in Miami celebrating Muhammad Ali just knocked out your man. So he's he's ready to go. And it's exploring the um, generational, religious, and then just socioeconomic and just cultural um, uh, points of dissonance between these three incredible pillars. But anyway, the point is, um, at the beginning of the movie, Jim Brown is talking to this man um, in Georgia, and um, this man is gushing over Jim Brown and, like, very respectful, talking about, look, like, you know, anything you need, we got you, we love you, we We respect you. You know, you're Jim Brown. You just led the league in rushing yards and touchdowns. You're the greatest athlete in the world. And you're looking at, you know, I mean, I'm 31 years old. So of course I don't remember Jim Brown when Jim Brown was like the LeBron of sports, but, but I, but I can, I can imagine the enormity of this figure. Right. And so anyway, he's talking. and, And at one point, again, I'm thinking this guy, like this man is talking to him, like he is a son, like he is a lot of love. And so then, um, what happens is, though, that his daughter has something happen where she needs to move an armoire or something. And Jim Brown goes, Um, hey, I can I can help you with that. Like, I can I can come in. And the and the white man said, come on, Jim, you know, we don't let niggas in the house. And I was it. And I was like, hey, it gutted me when he said that. I was just like, who? And I hit home because. And so when I hear this story about like it's there's some there's something so personal about letting people in. Right, like letting people into your home and like really welcome it's 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 seeing them as equal as human. And so that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so when you shared that story, it reminded me of this about about that scene. Cause I was like, it's just it speaks so many volumes of like, you know, we can go through the corporate niceties of you know, you know, hey, where we belong and you're but until we really break bread together, until I actually give of myself and I and I'm and I show that where I actually see you as an equal, we're not going to get to that level of sponsorship and real inclusion and belonging that we that we we ideate about. You know what I mean? Um, okay, with that being said, um, you've alluded to it a few times, we've talked about it a little bit. I'm here really as the cheerleader, I'm shaking the pom poms about Canaries and the work that they're doing across a variety of industries. Let's talk a little bit about data and its function in DEI work. What are you excited about when it comes to your relationship with Canaries and the work that they're doing in partnership with Yumbrand?
2: Yeah, um, you know,
0: at the at the end
2: of the day, data is a language of business, right? Mm-hmm. And when we think about, um, uh, you know, I call it the ultimate misnomer in an in equity, inclusion, belonging space, right? Because um, a lot of times the first question you get is, "Well, you know, but you know, why is that important to the business?" Or you know, well, "What's the business imperative there?" And these these kind of things, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, that's the misnomer. Because what people are really saying is, um, I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that. I'm not sure what to do with that. So let me try to, you know, spell it away with business. But but data is a language of business. And so we need to speak that language. Um, but the difference between um, canaries and others is canaries is not just about the number or the, 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 the number in and of itself. Canaries is about what is the number saying? What is the number saying to you? How do you? The number is this. I mean, literally, we were on the call today and um, with the team and uh, foo, my partner in crime. Um, she was talking about, um, yeah, you know, right, <laughs> right. So, um, uh, yeah,
1: I know, I know, foo, Yes,
2: <laughs> you know the deal, right? So, so you know, Fu, yeah. in her number, she's like. Um, she's like James. Here's what that's going to do, um, because we were talking about what if somebody doesn't answer the question, uh, or what if someone chooses to skip, and uh, and and you know some folks would be like, well, you know, if they skip, you know that then that's not going to be statistically relevant, you know, if you know all this kind of thing, um, who in the canaries team is like, there's a message there for you. Mm-hmm. If they, if they skip or if they choose not to answer, there's a message there. You need to pay attention to that, right? And so the Canaries team is really going a step further than just giving you the numbers. A lot of people can give you the numbers, um, but the numbers don't talk to you in terms of what does it mean? And the Canaries team is focused around that. And so it's, yes, we'll do the assessment. And then once you get done with the assessment, it's the, okay, now how do we action against that? And what are the, uh, and where are the very specific things that we can do to make sure that um, uh, that you get the desired outcome? um that we do get the art and not just the science mm-hmm. uh and so uh so anyway so that's what my uh, uh my canaries partners are and um and i'll just be honest with you um we have i have a team call every wednesday at noon mm-hmm. and since we've begun our partnership um or shortly after we began our partnership um the canaries team is on every one of my team calls mm-hmm. and not for the 10 minutes that, you know, Canaries team, can you give us the update? Thank you, um, have a great day. Um, the Canaries team is on my call for the entire hour, hour, 15 minutes, whatever that is. They're learning who we are. They're learning what we're about. They're learning how we act and react to things. My belief is um, if you're a partner, be a partner. And they're really being a partner with us. Uh, and by hearing what we're thinking and dreaming and scheming about and how we're addressing things and hearing about our culture and things like that, when they get the data back, it will better help them guide us to where we need to be. And so um, so you know, i I know I'm taking up a lot of their time, but um I'm telling you, um, I, I appreciate uh who I appreciate Lisa and and the work that they're doing with me and my team and, and our organization here at Young.
1: Thank thank you so much for that, James. We really appreciate it. I mean, I talk to Phil all the time and she She will tell me she's like, oh, my gosh, young brands is a dream client. I love listening to them. It's informing my knowledge, right? I'm understanding how they think it's opening up my mind into a new way of thinking, Um, you know, because not all clients are created equal, but she does. She really enjoys working with you all. So thank you for all that. I appreciate that. I think, you know, we're getting up close to time. It's gonna be our last question and then we can open it up to folks listening to the web show on questions they may have. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's super easy to look at 2021. Hopefully we're, we're moving on past 2020. We got a new president in place. Uh, we have a COVID rollout and hopefully COVID will, will die down some here over the next few months or we'll get people vaccinated. You know, what is your advice? You know, I, I speak, at a lot of things and people say do you think this change in dei is lasting and i always say it's too early to tell you know i don't know we'll see Um, i'm cautiously optimistic right um and so as we think through this and some people are seeing 2021 and thinking okay improvement we're past this and may go back and settle into their own their old ways Mm -hmm. right what advice would you give people to either step down on the gas more and speed up and make sure they're keeping at a strong pace and not letting off the gas pedal? Or what advice would you give to those who are seeing all this happen and still haven't even put their car in reverse at a park, right? Um, so really want to get at, how do we keep people motivated in this change? This seemingly uh, quick uh, call to change we've seen over the past year or so since COVID started and really being accelerated from George Floyd. What advice would you have for those people? Yeah, uh,
2: my advice would be um, first and foremost, Just look at your organization, right? Just look at your organization. Um, There was a time a few years back uh, where I literally did eight and a half by 11 pictures of all of our leadership across all of our division. I put them out on my table in my office just so I could see it every day. When people walked by my door, they would see. They're like, James, what is that? I'm saying, just looking at our leaders. Just looking at our leaders, right? Just keeping top of mind what the landscape looks like. If the landscape doesn't look like your customer base or at least the customers that you wanna get, then you still got work to do. We still have a lot of work to do. Uh, Our business is to try to make sure that we are representative of all people in this organization at all levels of the organization in order for us to be read. And what that means is in order for us to be relevant, in order for us to be easy, in order for us to be distinctive for all customers not some customers but for all customers the other thing people look at demographics see how the world is changing if you're not relevant to those demographics if you're not speaking to them the way they need to be spoken to or want to be spoken to you will become irrelevant and if you will if you become irrelevant um we're watching companies go by the wayside all the time so definitely do that and then finally what i would say is um in this notion of just look at your organization Um, regardless of what administration there is, our people aren't looking at whatever administration it is. Our people are looking at us to see what we're doing as leaders to create an inclusive environment and what we're going to do about that. Uh, Because they're, they're looking for a lot of people, including us. A lot of people have said a lot of things since last summer the question is and what what people are watching to see is who's going to want to talk uh because that's going to be the differentiator so i would say just look at your organization because that that still today tells a story and informs us around the work that we still have to do and um and, and and that that's kind of you know what i would give them uh, uh, the feedback i would give them look just look at your organization put your pictures up put the, put the pictures out on your desk so you can see it every single day, and that'll inform you enough to
0: know. You know, uh, Lisa, uh, James, Lisa said that, uh, you know, you, you're you a great speaker, man. You smooth, man. I'm gonna tell you, straight up, <laughs> you butchery, man. You know what I'm saying? Just, it's, 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 ah. it's, it's cold, it's cold. Uh, look, we got, <laughs> okay, so question one, here we go. Um, what makes DEI uniquely challenging in the food services industry? Uh, just holistically,
2: um, DE&I is, is challenging because when you think about sales, um, you sell this, you get that. When we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, or in- equity, inclusion, and belonging, we're talking about people's beliefs, people's upbringings, we're talking about people's biases, we're talking about things that are in- innate, it, they, these things are innate, and and um, and then in a lot of cases, and this is through our own fault, um, throughout our, our, our world of equity, inclusion, and belonging, in a lot of cases, people created us-versus-them mentality in the space, right? And So um, so that's what makes it uniquely difficult if it's not like any other business challenge. Because a lot of those things, if you do this, you this happens, and you get a different outcome. Now, we're, we're getting all kinds of personal, and, and, and man, oh, man, um, nothing is harder than trying to take something away from somebody who thinks they deserve it.
1: Hmm.
2: Okay. And so, um, so do that. Um, and then the other thing, the other part of it is, um, you know, um, this may be a little bit controversial and I, I hope nobody gets offended by it, but in some cases, um, from the seat that I sit in, what happens is, the challenge is hard enough. When we start to gain a little momentum, we have folks that want to, you know, really go aggressive and, and 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 kick the tables over and things like that and and blame. And um, there's plenty enough blame to go around. Uh, but the reality of it is, as we sit here today, I ask myself every single day: Do I want to be right, or do I want to be effective? Mm. I can be right. In fact, I know I'm right in a lot of cases, you know, you know, James, are we making progress on on, on equity? and Well, I don't know. Take a look at the pictures on the table. You think we're making progress? I know I'm right. But in order to be effective, I need to engage these folks in a way that is going to help them help us move this forward Mm -hmm. so I can prove to them that they're that that I'm right. But in proving that I'm right, am I really going to help us move? I need to help us move. So I have to think and dream and scheme about how do we do that. This is a chess game. This isn't checkers. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what makes it uniquely. Um, and then and then from a restaurant perspective, um, in the restaurants we're about seventy six percent diverse between gender and ethnicity. We're diverse all day long in the restaurants. Um, in the corporate environment, we need to make sure that we bring that diversity all the way up through the corporate environment. So um, so that's you know so that that's what makes it uniquely different in that regard. Is we have plenty of diversity in our restaurants. We need to bring all of that into the corporate environment.
1: Yeah, we hear that a lot. I mean, when we talk to companies, we'll we'll start talking them prospective companies. And they'll tell us how good their diversity is. We say, okay, let's talk through that a little bit. Um, And then we break it down a little bit. And their diversity is all here at whatever that entry level is. Um, And it's great that it's there. But then when we actually talk through the numbers with them, just on a preliminary, not getting into actual numbers, but yeah, what does that percentage look like at the entry level? What does that look like at the very top? And I mean the very top, at the board level and the executive team. Um, and once we talk through that a little bit, we get a lot of, oh, well, yeah, you know, we, you know, cause a lot of times we talk to folks that aren't in the DEI space. So they're not really thinking through, um, what that looks like from the beginning, all the way to the top. They're just looking at straight numbers. And we, you know, we tell our prospects, you know, gender diversity is great. Uh, but let's look at these other aspects of diversity, because I will tell you, white women are the biggest beneficiaries of diversity programs and initiatives that have been put in place. It's factual. It, yeah, it, the, is the, so, it
0: speaks to it, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but James, we're getting a question from the audience. I know we can chat, you know, mm-hmm. about all kinds of topics among ourselves. Um, people are asking with respect to who influences your your thoughts around DEI, mm-hmm. your aspects of DEI, and this could be, you know, in the past, it might have been a teacher, it might have been, it might be a poet, it might be somebody in the DEI space. But we're getting a question about your influences.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, At the risk of people going James come on now everybody says that um but I'll give you the why Um, my father is one and I'll give you two Uh, my father is one um and my father is one because um uh you know he wasn't a college educated man um he was an enlisted guy uh with eight kids which means you're broke that that's all that really means Mm -hmm. right and um but what he achieved he went he went active duty air force in 1946. Wow. He, when he left the Air Force in 1980, he was uh, the chief master sergeant, which is the highest ranking enlisted man that you could be in in the Air Force. And I say he influences me because what he had to do, remember it's 1946, right? So he had to navigate, figure out how to navigate his way through a system during those years when he had to, as a black man, be aligned with his black, the folks who uh, he worked with and the folks that he had to lead, Um, he had to be aligned with them, but he also had to lead white folks. Mm -hmm. During this time of all that was going on from a racial perspective. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he was able to navigate that that inspires me. I take my cues. I think through what did he have to do to navigate both? Because as you know, in this space, if you if you seem like you're too close to those people, then you know mm-hmm. now you're a sellout. Mm-hmm. And if, and if you're not close enough to those people, then James, you know, you're not helping us get as far as we need to by you know this kind of thing. Or so so you you end up not fitting in any space. Mm-hmm. And so he had to somehow figure out how to navigate both spaces, mm-hmm. to make it in leadership. And so he was able to do that. And so um, so what I learned from him and and, and had, who, who influences me in my thinking is I think about what he all had to navigate to make that happen and to do that um, as one of the most well-respected, both by um, people of color as well as majority members, uh, a leader in the military. And so I, he inspires me. Um, he passed away at a young age. He was 56. Um, the message there is don't smoke um, and uh, whatnot. Um, so uh, so that's who inspired me there. There's another gentleman. His name is Ralph Deshaver. He's a chief diversity officer at uh, Brown Foreman in Louisville, Kentucky uh, Spirits Company. And um, uh, when I first came into the space, went to this event with a bunch of us there. A um, lot of people talking, a lot of things going on, a lot of things being said. But there was this guy sitting in the back who didn't see much at all, all day long, all day long. And then towards the end of the session, um, somebody says, well, Ralph, what do you got to say? And Ralph said, no, I'm good. They said, no, Ralph, what you got to say? Ralph stands up and just crushes the room with his, I mean, dudes like um, some of y'all might, E.F. Hutton. When he, I mean, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. This man stood up in the most quiet, calm, eloquent way, checked all of us in that room to say, you know what, y'all in here talking about a lot of stuff and saying a lot of things, but what I'm concerned about is that you all are so focused on you getting yours that you're not focused on doing what's right by and for our people. He said, so, you know, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sit down and I'll, you know, continue to see how the rest of the day goes. But, um, you know, y'all ask for my perspective. That's my perspective. And he sat down. And the room was quiet for a long time uh, because all those knuckleheads in there talking about how great we are and all that kind of thing just got checked to say, you know what? When you're in this space, it ain't about
0: you.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. That is real. And it's encouraging to hear that be a story that you share, James, because you know, like in this capitalistic space, it's easy, especially when you think about like, you know, you know, the the, the mindset is scarcity. So there's only so much of a pie to go around. So well, I kinda gotta well, I gotta get I gotta gotta get mine. I mean, I wanna help you. I hope you get yours, but I'm gonna for sure get mine. And it's great that it's that you see it as a point of value that uh, the people are, that, that that's something that we're focused on, right? That like, it's about serving and lifting as you climb, right? Um, we're never going to really grow and even achieve equity if we're not collectively moving in that regard, and that also means black and brown folks. If we're if we get to the spaces that we when we climb there, and we go, all right, well, I mean, I got my cufflinks, I got my Stacy Adams shoes, I'm making sixty thousand dollars a year. I'm not trying to be shady to nobody. I'm just saying, like, sometimes we <laughs> we get a we get a little bit of a little piece of something, and we think we have made something. So my point is, is that we have to be um, service oriented in the things that we're doing.
1: The other thing is, not all DEI professionals are created equal. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of DEI professionals that are comfortable. They uh, they don't want to ruffle feathers. Uh, they just want to stay under the radar and keep things status quo. Um, and I think they have a good heart and they want to make changes, but they just they just rather stay status quo. Um, so kudos to you, James, for wanting to make some real change there, uh, to be bold, right, and to come out and to. To really push for change and push for those policies and systemic changes to happen at young brands, because that's so important. Because not all DEI professionals are pushing for that. A lot are, a lot are comfortable and they just want to stay there and keep it keep it as is. And I, I'm. I'm so happy that the silver lining with everything we've seen over the past 2020, 2021 is that we're seeing more of these companies come out. We're seeing CEOs come out and say and proclaim that they're going to reprioritize diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, because before that, you know, we were hearing from prospects saying, Oh, DEI is yeah, it's important, but we got other things to worry about. And mm-hmm. now it's become a top priority.
0: Nah, real talk. Um, so James, um, what books, podcasts, newsletters are a must for you as as a DEI executive and as a DEI thought leader?
2: Yeah. Oh, so um, I just turn around. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I what's going on in my little world up here in terms of, you know, um, you know, even candy. Right. You know, this whole notion of being anti-racist. Um, what I what I think and dream and scheme about uh, in terms of what I read, listen to and things like that. I, I want and need to recommend that not to some people, but to all people, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so when you look at kind of what I what I'm doing, you know. So you want to talk about race, right? Um, Is up there. We've got the Whistling Vivaldi with the hot uh, steel and whatnot. You know, four days to change. Um, so those are some of the books and things, um, you know, that that I, I I I recommend that people read. And uh, and you know, of course. You know, you can't go without this one. Just, you know,
0: just, <laughs> you know, just a little sauce, a little sauce, a little sauce, so you can do that. Um, um,
2: and then I think, you know, uh, in terms of, and, and, and this is a little bit controversial, and I get it. Some people might say James, why you follow? but uh, when you think about Ava DuVernay, right. And uh, some of the things that um, she's doing and saying and standing up for, and, um, I'm not saying you have to consume it. all. I'm just saying, be aware and, and, and pay attention um uh, to those kinds of things and so you know that's a little bit about you know uh, kind of what i read what i you know listen to and um and then uh, and of all things on npr um code switch um on npr on npr james yep i said it npr um uh, <laughs> you know um but code switch is on there and it's just got a lot of you know information insights in there so those are just some of the things that, um, that I-
0: I love it. You know, James, the only the only thing I think you're really missing out of that little sweet man is living corporate, you know, we create content that centers and amplifies black and brown folks every day.
2: Hey, you know what? You know what? <laughs> me, hang on. Well, let me let me jot that down and make sure I add
0: that to my list of things. This has been incredible. Um, look, I want to give star the floor as we wrap up.
1: Yes. Thank you, James. We appreciate it. I love that you shared some of these uh, knowledgeable things. Anybody listening, encourage everybody to become aware Uh, Educate yourself. Don't go to the first person of color and expect them to educate you on everything. Take that first step yourself. Educate yourself, then go ask questions and show that you made that uh, effort, (laughs) okay? Uh, But we're gonna wrap up today. I really appreciate, James, we know you're busy. You listed about five million things that you're trying to balance and <laughs> brands. I don't know how you do it, um, but we are so appreciative that you made the time tonight to talk to us, share your knowledge with us. We're all leaving this um, web show with a lot more information and education. I feel smarter already in the DEI space. So James, thank you so much for your time. And uh, that's all for me. Peace.
0: And we're back. I want to thank Canaries again. I want to thank the entire Canaries team. I want to thank James Fripp for being on the show, being a part and a friend of the Living Corporate Network. It should be pretty obvious by now that I got mad love for Canaries. Uh, The work that they're doing around DEI data analytics is bar none. And so you should do yourself a favor and click the link in the show notes to learn more about what they're doing. So check that out. The other thing is, if you're interested in Yum Brand, want to learn more about James Fripp, click them links. All right. Check it out. Explore. Take your time. Have a good time. All right. till next time. See y'all tomorrow.
1: Peace.